and a happy new year early to you. This is Work of the Beat. I'm Kevin Cooney. Mike Kerm will join us in a little bit. Give me what you can As we wrap up the 2022 year in sports with our annual roundtable, uh, tonight will be Mike Silski from the Inquirer who will join us. We'll discuss the top sports stories in Philadelphia in 2022 and get a look ahead to what lies ahead in 2023 an interesting year in a lot of different ways obviously the eagles on the verge of the nfl playoffs as perhaps the number one seed as i'm recording this on friday evening jalen hurts has been uh, listed as doubtful for the game against the saints on sunday but this eagles still have two cracks to get one win or to have the Cowboys, Vikings, and 49ers all lose to give themselves the home field advantage in the NFC playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see where that goes. You have the Phillies, who will have a half a year of without Bryce Harper, and but had a World Series run without him for two months. So... Mike will discuss this. Mike and Mike will discuss this as uh, we move forward. And we're going to get in the playoff mode beginning next week, starting to look at the different aspects of the Eagles as we continue onward. I want to thank everybody. Before we get going, I want to thank everybody who has been loyal to this podcast uh, this past year. Obviously, a lot of you know it's been a trying one a little bit for me with everything going on at home. Uh, Career change, obviously, is now complete. Uh, the situation with my mom uh, was a complicating factor there for a long time. And uh, I appreciate all of you who have stuck around with this. I'm hoping to have a little more clarity on every situation with this as we move forward. Uh, I still enjoy doing this podcast. I still enjoy doing it with Mike. Uh, And I know that uh, we have a lot of you who have expressed support for it over the years. And I just want to say thank you right off the top um, before that. Obviously, I have started some work at 97.5 The Fanatic. Um, I don't think that's going to impact me on this. If it does, I will let you know. Uh, It may, I don't know how it may impact everything, to be honest, but uh, we'll see as we go forward. But uh, we have this year. We have this year, and we have this year to review. And 2023 to preview and who better to do it than when mike silski he is up next following this musical interlude Well, at the end of the year, it always is good to check in with friends, kind of the reminisce about the year gone by. And so, first of all, hello, Mr. Kern. How are you? Yo. Yo. And joining us from the Philadelphia Inquirer, one of their sports columnists, one of the best in America, and also with Glenn Mack now on Saturday mornings on 94 WIP, it's Mike Silski. Mike, how are you? Happy New Year. Hi, Kev. Hi, Mike. Happy New Year. Good to be with you guys. <laughs> Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Hey, before we start, Kevin, I, yes. I want to just say to Mike, he wrote a really nice story on Tim Mesa. I guess it was last week, Mike. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying, but Tim, who gave up, a, a, he's a, the nephew of my my best friend, who gave up the 60th home run was it, or 61, 61, right? To Aaron Judge, to Aaron, yeah. Judge. Aaron Judge. And as I said to my my friend when it happened, I said, look. He had a great season. It's not the worst thing. I know he feels bad, but, you know, and Mike wrote a really good story just telling about the whole kind of thing and how he got into the majors in the first place and all that. And today Mike wrote the, hey, am I missing something here? Jalen's not going to play. I mean, like, we're losing our minds in this town over a 13-2 <laughs> football team 
All right. And I need Mike to just interject that uh, all right. people Let me, just like slow down. All right. I will <laughs> Thank get you, Mike. I will get to that. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I will get to that. Uh, let me start with, with Mr. Silski. Mike, uh, you know, I've heard in recent days about how great a year this was for the city on the sports front. And, you know, it's funny. You forget it because of the World Series and you forget because the Eagles are 13 and 2. Ben Simmons got traded this year. Jay Wright went to a Final Four this year and then retired. There's been a lot. Hey, the union, the union got to the final. That's wonderful. Um, the okay, point hey, is, look, it matters to some people. Can you sum up kind of where you see this year? It's not 1980, but I mean, for a city, it's kind of been in a dry spell. It was a real welcome jolt of energy. Yeah, you know, Kev, I've always maintained that sports fans in general and Philadelphia sports fans in particular, I think, what they love most about sports is the ride. They want to be engaged and follow a team or a player or some kind of institution uh, for a lengthy period of time. That's the fun. You know, if you cover baseball, for instance, and you're covering a team that's really, really good, whether it's the Astros of the present day, the Phillies of 2007 to 2011, the Yankees back in the 90s. You know, it's a compelling story every day. And if you're a fan, that's what you want. You want to see great things every single night or at least, you know, as often as you can. And so by that standard, I think the year gave Philly sports fans a lot of excitement. Um, you know, the Eagles played a playoff game in January. Now, they didn't play well, but at least there was a week or two of, hey, the Eagles are in the playoffs, and we didn't expect it. Mm -hmm. You go from there to Villanova, as you said, making the final four one run, which I know college basketball isn't the number one thing in, in town, but for those of us who follow it, that was really compelling, the fact that Nova won the Big East tournament in the way that they did, uh, the fact that they got to the final four, uh, that they did it largely because of, you know, Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels, two guys who were familiar to basketball fans. That's a good thing. You get the trade of Ben Simmons and James Harden coming in, and there's this jolt of excitement, and then there's this disappointment. Uh, and then you get the Phillies making this run, uh, in October, and you get the Eagles giving everybody a, a fall and a winner of, hey, this team has a, has a decent chance to get to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so in all of those respects, I think it was a good year for Philly sports fans to be engaged. That's what you want, is to, is to feel like there are things going on that are good and positive and they're holding your interest, and you take the championships where you can get them. And look, as disappointing as I'm sure – game six of the World Series was to a lot of Phillies fans, you ask them, would they trade the ride? And they'd say, hell no. You know, <laughs> look at what Bryce Harper did. Look at what Reese Hoskins did. Look at what, you know, the way Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler and Ranger Suarez pitched in so many of those games. It was a fun month of baseball, and, and you don't often get that. So I think all in all, it was a really good year. And, you know, the thing is, it's funny. You mentioned that about the ride. Like, it brought a whole new realm. And, by the way, I will count the union in this because they did get to a final, and they – did you know kind of you rode the, the the roller coaster with that but let me kind of kick it to the Phillies before we get I know we're going to get deep into the Eagles but the Phillies were to me um kind of the thing out of the blue because you you had the roller coaster all year you had Joe Girardi get fired in June this team eight games under 500 and 11 back of the division and getting plowed by the Mets it felt like every night from you know through Memorial Day, you know when they seem like they played them every other series, and now and then it ends. Nobody could have seen, you know, this career life lifer in baseball who was talking of retiring, leading this team to become lovable for a group that wasn't lovable until really September, late September, if anything. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how – I mean, look, Rob Thompson, the change of manager, did something. Um, I mean, I've told you guys before, I maintain that creating a hospitable work environment is the best thing that a baseball manager and pretty much any coach in any sport can do. And I think that change from Joe Girardi's, you know, very tense sort of atmosphere that he created and cultivated to what Rob Thompson created was a big deal. 
<clears throat> excuse me, I think from the city standpoint and their affection for that team, I think the fact that they made the playoffs in and of itself was reason for people to go, okay, fi- they finally did it. Right. We're going to get playoff baseball. And then I think the underrated part of their run, and I don't know if anybody's mentioned this. I think the way that they won that first game against the Cardinals was a bit of a tone setter. The cigar hit. It, yeah, for people in the city and mm-hmm. in the community to get behind them. They were down 2 nothing going into the top of the ninth inning, and they came back and won, and they put a sixth spot on the board. And, and it went from... Boy, they they finally get to the playoffs and they can't even scratch across a run in their first game. What a letdown! To holy cow, they can beat the Cardinals and they'll get the Braves and and now you've got the best situation for Philadelphia sports fans. You've got a team that is good enough to win, but that isn't expected to win. And Philly fans love that because it takes the pressure off of everything. It's not the 2002 Eagles. It's not the 2011 Phillies. It's not the the giant safe that's over everybody's head and they're looking to the sky to see if it falls on them. They just were like, hey, we can, whatever happens from this point out, it's gravy. Mm-hmm. And right, Reese Hoskins hits a big home run again in the Braves series and Harper starts doing what Harper does against the Padres. Hoskins is hitting home runs and all of a sudden it's like the bandwagon isn't big enough to hold all of them. So I think some circumstances played out that allowed people to really wrap their arms around that Phillies team. Colonel? Yeah, until they lost. And then everybody got angry again. Uh, The one thing that I, you know, I'm going to be 65 in April. The one thing that I, that I've learned is you, you never take sports for granted. Like, uh, and I, what I mean by that is the Phillies now and the Eagles, and I look, the Eagles could win a Super Bowl this year. Who knows? And everybody assumes, well, they're going to win three in the next five years. You know, we heard that after the 17th. You know, the new norm, all this kind of stuff. People, you listen to talk, hey, well, they're going to win, you know, two or three in the next. Well, okay, fine. No, they didn't. Now they're good again. The Phillies look like they're set up to be good for a while. That doesn't mean anything. It, it really doesn't. I mean, they, we don't even know what they're going to do in their division next year. But so you have to enjoy it when it happens because it might not happen. We waited 10 years for the Phillies to get back in the playoffs after that great run they had. You know, the Sixers are stuck on second rounds, you know, that we we, that we never can seem to get past it. So I agree with Mike to a certain point, and you can enjoy the ride yeah. because, you know, Jay Wright used to say it all the time, and Dump used to say it too, you know, savor every ride, like every portion of every ride. Don't just assume if it doesn't end in a championship, it wasn't good. Sometimes they end in cha- sometimes they end in championships. Yeah, Mike. You know, it, no. It's funny you say that, Mike, because literally as you were talking, I was thinking of how what you were saying applied to the Big Five. In that now you have Villanova and Jay isn't the coach there anymore, and Kyle Neptune is, and we don't know what's going to happen. Is he going to be right. able to maintain this measure of excellence that Jay established? Go back, look at Temple under certainly John Cheney, and even to a lesser degree, Fran Dunphy that they were winning 20 to 25 games every yeah, year. Yeah. Every time they got in a tournament, at least with Cheney, there was the possibility of an Elite Eight run, and maybe this would be the year they get to the Final Four. Right. That's all gone. You know, look at the, the other three schools there. Look what's happened to the Flyers, Yeah. you know, where mm-hmm. just a series of poor decisions and lack, in, lack of clarity in thinking has has buried them to the point that, you know, I don't understand why people are getting so worked up about the Flyers being bad. It's like, you know, the Flyers need to be bad. They have to be bad. This That's their way out of this is to be bad so that they can get high draft picks. So um, yeah. you're right. Your point is very well taken. Enjoy it while you have it because you may not tomorrow. And I mean, I th- I mean I, let's, let's be serious. Who thought the Eagles? If well, we went Mike, back Mike 18, I want to get to the Eagles. I want to get to the Eagles in a second, but go ahead. Finish your point. No, but the, the point was go back 18 months. We all wanted to fire Howie. We all want in 18 months they've gotten from that to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like the Phillies went from eight games under 500 to game six of a World Series. Well, and, I mean, it's, just, it's nuts sometimes. And I think part of it was the personalities involved. Look, Harper, uh, people love it when Philadelphia athletes choose them. You know, Cliff yes. Lee's appeal was 
he chose us. Well, okay, yeah, he left maybe a little bit of money on the table, but he chose us because we were the top. Uh, yeah, the Phillies were the top bidder for that uh, for him at that point. Uh, people love Harper because they feel like he instantly took to the city. And for that moment, that Game 5 moment, which, you know, I said this on radio the other day, um, that may go down as one of the top five moments in the franchise's history. Just in memorable, like, what people are going to think about. You know, you have the two... Cl- you have the two division, or you have the two world title winners. You have the the series against the uh, against the Astros in '80, but that's going to be up there because of the how he came through. The guy they love because he chose them, provided them something, and that's why yeah. that was such an enormous run. Plus, they had Remind- the- okay. oh, it reminded me of the Jimmy Rollins hit against the mm-hmm. Dodgers, except Jimmy didn't choose us, right? We did, yeah. but that that was a moment that I'll never forget. But you're right. I mean, Kevin, it was just you know, and I think Schwarber is kind of like that a little bit too. I mean, you know, his first time up for the Phillies, it's a home run, right? How many times do you do things? I think you're right, Kevin. When people come here and choose you and choose us, or even maybe we choose them, like with AJ Brown, right? Right, coming mm-hmm. here, and people just love that. They eat that up mm-hmm. because it's like he's one of us. Ahead, yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I think there's another dynamic at play specifically with that Harper home run, too. And it's kind of counterintuitive in that it was Bryce Harper. It was the guy who had been carrying the team throughout that series who hit that big home run. And in some ways, it was enhanced because it was him. Like, yeah. if, a, if a bench guy had done it, it would have been incredible, right. but... Yeah. You, you would have been like, oh, my gosh, this lightning bolt out of the blue. Travis Ishikawa, like the Travis Ishikawa right. home run for the Giants. Yeah, yeah. something like that. But, but Forgettable. in that moment, in that moment, I, I, can't, I have to imagine hundreds of thousands of people. I know the dozens and hundreds in the press box that night were thinking to themselves, my God, what if he hits a home run here? Could you imagine it would be like it would be like Robert Redford in the natural if he hit one here I was in just this moment? That, Mike. Do you think the you think the Padres manager was thinking that? No, he wasn't because he would have walked him. Or he would have went Josh Hader, which he should have done anyway. But but it it really it's not just that it was he who hit the home run. It was that he had been so great, and then he did it again in that moment. And you were just kind of left with this, like I can't believe he hit this home run in this instant, uh, in this moment of this game. And it just, it would have been different if it had been, I don't know, Gene Segura or Bryson Stott. It would have been more unexpected, but it would have been much less dramatic. And didn't in the national, that was for the pennant. That was not for the, and and didn't the manager at one point, Brimley said, just get me to the World Series. I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. But the, the main, and before I move on to the Eagles, the main thing with this for the Phillies too, and we'll, get a read on this in April and May. It reignited the love affair between the city and the team a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And part of it was the goofy song and part which was not even the best version of the song by the way. I should point that out. Um but like bars were filled. I I, I you were working Mike, but I, I ended up coming over from I covered a Flyers game. And I came over for game 4 against the Padres. Uh, like and I got there in the fifth or sixth inning. It was the game where they fell behind four nothing, and then all that. And I, I remember walking outside the building after the game was over, going back to my car over at Wells Fargo, and strangers, black and white, um, you know, male, female, whatever, just hugging each other in the streets. Xfinity Live packed. This was for a baseball team that in in August and September had. 19,000 in the park in the middle of a pennant race. I mean, it's yeah, huge. And, yeah, and the there's, there's rides a, are the unexpected rides. Yep, yep there's, there's that, and, the, and then there's also the dynamics of fandom are different for baseball yeah. than they are for football. They yeah, just are. Um, the fans aren't as edgy for baseball in the way that you go to an Eagle. An Eagles crowd is an Eagles crowd. Let's be honest about what it's about. I mean, yes, football connects the generations here in Philadelphia. But baseball, it's a, it's a little 
softer, I don't know if is the right word, but there's just something different about it. In the fandom, in the every night is a game sort of feeling, uh, it's just, it's a little different. And you can see there's a, there's a, there's a softer affection for the Phillies when they're great than there is even for the Eagles, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it doesn't mean that the Phillies are as popular, but it just means the dynamic of the fandom is different. I think. Which leads me to the Eagles and you know, they're 13 and two as we record this, it looks like Jalen hurts is not going to play on Sunday, which is the wise move. It, there's no way he should have played on Sunday behind him. Me, uh, a juggled offensive line, and with a shoulder that if it if it gets plowed into the ground one more time, he might be done. Um, it, to me, the biggest surprise is not not that they got good because the schedule kind of lent lent itself for them to be good. And I'm not saying they're a product of the schedule, but they developed this strut, this confidence at some point in here where they went from a pretty good team to, oh, my God, they're the best team in the damn league. And I I, I don't know. I, I don't know if even in 17, I don't know if I felt that way about the Eagles, but it feels like that now in my mind. How do you think, uh, Silski? I, I think that's the quarterback. And I think to a lesser degree, it's the head coach. Um, you know, Nick Sirianni is very demonstrative. He is the – how can I put this? He's the most normal human being I've encountered as the Eagles head coach if that makes sense. Not that Andy Reid and Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson weren't normal people, but he's not, written hold on, like hold the on. kind Chip of guy. Was, Chip was not a normal person. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> but he, just, he just seems like a regular dude who loves yeah. football and knows it pretty well uh, and relates to the media and the public in that way. And um, But I think mostly it's the quarterback. I think, you know, the surprise of the season is not that the Eagles are good. I think we all thought they'd be pretty good. The surprise is that Hurts is this good and that by him being this good, the team is then this good. Um, you know, and, and to bring it back to the immediate, yeah, you're right, Kev. Like, they got a week's worth of drama out of, is Jalen going to play on Sunday? He's not going to play on He's not going to play on Sunday. He shouldn't play on Sunday. The Eagles value the backup quarterback position as much as any team in the league. This set of circumstances is why they value the backup quarterback position, is that so that you can play Gardner Minshew and you don't have to play Jalen Hurts in a game that is not a must-win game. And this is not a must-win game. I know Eagles fans are going to freak out if they happen to lose to the Saints. I get that. It's not a must-win game. And to be honest, as I wrote today, if this Eagles team, even without Jalen Hurts, cannot beat the Saints, then they're not the team that we all thought they were uh, this season. Colonel? Yeah, it's, it's funny. If you go back to August, the Rams, the Packers, and the Bucks rolled better than the Eagles and the betting lines and all that kind of stuff. Uh, those three teams stink. The door got opened and the Eagles just drove a truck through it and, you know, became the best team in the NFC, if not the whole league. I don't know if they are it or not. There's three good teams in the AFC. But, again, it's it just all the circumstances, you know, the, the team didn't know that Jalen was going to be this good. Right. They were looking for quarterbacks in March. That's what the um, Saints trade was supposed to set up. It was supposed to set up, hey, it gives you a draft pick if we need to go get a quarterback. Yeah, yeah forget and, and forget forget that, guys. I mean, you're right, Kev. That 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 they were set up if Hurts fell in his face this year that they could draft a quarterback. But imagine an Eagle a twenty twenty two Eagles team with Josh McDaniels as its head coach and Russell Wilson as its starting quarterback. Which almost happened. Which could have happened. Yeah. Think about what do you that. got against John? What do you got against those two guys? Uh, yeah, let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> let's ride, Broncos country. Uh, hey, I had a, let's I be had phony. dinner. Yeah, let's I had be dinner phony. a couple of weeks ago with a guy from Denver who I'd never met before. We some guys were in town, and he looked at me and he said, "Why did you let us sign that quarterback?" <laughs> and I'd forgotten about the head coach part. Um, I'd forgotten that the that people want the Eagles out of that, but yeah, I mean. Nobody thought this was going to happen. Well, we thought they, you know, we thought they'd be a playoff team, you know, but not like this. Right. One benefit they have had is they've remained up until the last two weeks fairly healthy. I know Maddox missed some time with the the hamstring, and I know they lost Derek Barnett early. That might have been addition by subtraction. I hate saying it that way, but it's true. Um, But they remained 
relatively healthy. Now with Lane Johnson hurt, now with Maddox gone because probably gone because of the toe, you would think, uh, for the rest of the year. Um, and that's the concerning point, and, and, you know, and, and they'll get Gardner Johnson back, and I think the secondary will eventually get sorted out. But the Lane Johnson one is the one I'm scared about because I don't know how you can be effective with that injury, Mike Silski. <laughs> I keep, yeah, I keep I mean, I, I having to remind myself. Try. I keep having to What's remind that? yourself. I keep having to remind myself that you're both named Mike, so I probably should clarify which one I want. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's Silski. It's all good. Okay. It's all good. Um, yeah, he's going to try to play through it, and he's going to be in a hell of a lot of pain. But he's played through stuff before. I mean, take a look at the ankle that he played on in 2020. He yeah. showed Jeff McClain, my colleague at the Inquirer, you know, what his ankle looked like at that time, and it didn't look like a human being's leg. Um, so they have a really good offensive line other than Lane. They have depth along the line. It's not a weakness without Lane. It's just not the same measure of strength. It goes from being the reason maybe that they're the best offense and best team in the league um, to, okay, they're going to have to make some adjustments here. Uh, I'm curious to see what adjustments they are. Those are, I think they'll just stick with Jack Driscoll at right tackle, but it's, it wouldn't surprise me if they move some pieces around, move my lot of the right side and brought in Andre Dillard. Um, I wonder about that. We'll see. And it'll be funny. And it's, as- and it's a well, it's a well coached line, right? Oh, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Stout is the best assistant coach in the city, right? Yeah, he right. Is. And, and maybe the best offensive line coach in the league. What, so, what yeah. would concern me more? I, I agree with you. About, and every team has injuries, so deal with it. You know, other teams have lost significant players, and they're still trying to. What would concern me more is when Jalen comes back, assuming he comes back, is he Jalen? I mean, are they willing to run him 10 times a game, um, knowing it's not only trying to win this year, but he's your future? Now, you have said he's going to be your – and we see what Lamar Jackson now is sitting out for his fourth game this week in a row. But I'm just wondering, you know, I have confidence in Minshew, right? I think they can win with him. They can't – you know, but they can't run the offense that they run with Jalen, and I think that hurts your running back. Because I don't think he's going to be as effective. If they, but again, it, it, and maybe when they play their first playoff game four weeks from now or whenever it is, maybe everything's okay and they're and they're they're just normal. But you got to worry about a quarterback whose throwing shoulder isn't a hundred percent. Although he looked- Mike, I, I, this is going to sound really cynical, and I haven't had anybody from the organization tell me that this is the way they're thinking. But it wouldn't surprise me if they were, because they've acted as if they are. I have maintained since the start of this season, they are going to wring every drop they can out of Jalen Hurts. Okay? They have not made a long-term investment in him yet. And I know how crazy that sounds. I get it. I I, I get it. Okay? I understand that they're probably going to have to pay him. I understand that. But they haven't paid him yet. Right. He's counting 1.6, 1.9 against the cap. Okay? Pocket change. Yeah. To your question about – can they use him the way that they want to use him when he comes back? Number one, I think he himself will want to play that way. Yeah, sure. And number two, I don't think they'll have any hesitation because if he gets hurt, it's not a repeat of the Wentz situation or the Donovan McNabb situation or any situation where a team has gone pot committed to its franchise quote unquote quarterback. They have not done that with him yet. So if you are 14 and two or 15 and two and you're the number one seed, in in the NFC, and Jalen Hurts has never played better and may never play this great again, take your shot right now and play him the way you need to play him to win a Super Bowl right now. Mike, do you think what's happening in Baltimore – are they? You think they're watching that, or, or is that – It would would surprise me if they weren't. It would surprise me if they weren't. Now, the the counterbalance to that is that – Jeffrey Lurie wants a franchise quarterback. He believes in a franchise quarterback. He believes in it for football reasons, and he believes in it for marketing reasons. He wants a guy to be the face of the franchise. That's why they drafted and signed uh, Carson Wentz. That's why they drafted Donovan McNabb 
And that's presumably why they're going to eventually, I would think, give Hertz this long-term contract. But from a football standpoint, it makes more sense to me. And they've been acting this way to just try to get every little ounce of greatness out of Jalen Hurts they can right now. Well, and we've talked about this in the past, that the the model with the NFL is you basically, you know, uh, you basically go and you try to, as uh, Mr. Kern had fallen off, I'm putting him back on here as we talk, you try to make sure that you do it when you still have the quarterback. You know, that was the whole thing with the contract. Right. Sorry about that, Kevin. No, that's okay. It, it, you try to do it on the rookie contracts because so, so you could go get a Linval Joseph and an, and Dominican Sue, and you could go get those pieces that if you have a big name quarterback, you you can't necessarily do. Yeah, and I keep look. I, I keep waiting for the league to. I don't know. Figure out is the right phrase, but like there are only so many Patrick Mahomes. There mm-hmm. are only so many Josh Allen's, and I wonder if teams are going to start figuring out like, hey, do we really want to give? This guy, who isn't one of those guys, the big money. Tyler Murray. Yeah. Like, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be regretting that for the next five years. Well, the, yeah. or, and so the, whatever they can get out from under it. And, so, to, and to be honest, I think Baltimore is like the canary in the coal mine with that. I, I think, I think they because are. they see the amount, of, the amount of hits that Jackson takes because of his style of play. And yeah, I, but will somebody else give Jackson the money, Kevin, if Baltimore doesn't? Yeah, but Baltimore, I think, is willing to take that shot and roll the dice and try. They'll go. Oh, no, no. They'll go. I, I understand get what again. you're saying, but if, en- if another team gives him the money, what point was made? Well, you know, if if, if, if Baltimore says, well, we're not going to give him the money, but and if I don't know, still, Caroline and if, the, does the point, Mike, the point gets made depending on how Lamar plays for that other, right. for that other team. Right. I agree. And let, let me ask you guys. Hold on, this. hold on, hold on for a second, Mike. The other point on this is, if a team really wants to keep a guy, but doesn't want to sign up for the long term hit, you can just throw the franchise tag on him. Yeah. You can just do that. Yeah, but then you tick him. You tick him off. That that yeah, it do, it doesn't work. It depends on the person. Not with a quarterback. It don't not with quarterbacks. I would make oh. an argument. Kirk Cousins' best years came when he was on a franchise tag. <sighs> And maybe yeah, is Kirk Cousins the guy you want to? Yeah, well, exactly. I, I get exactly it, but the kind of guy you franchise, I guess. Yeah. I mean, let's say the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl. Let's say they lose. I, I don't know. They lose in the Super Bowl, or, or God forbid, they lose an NFC title game at home again. Or well, the one thing they can't Jaylen, do is they but, can't lose the Dallas. In this town, Jaylen, they cannot lose but, the Dallas. But, but wait a minute. But Jalen plays well. Mm-hmm. He plays well. He's not the reason that they lose. Okay. At, in the, in this offseason, do you have to talk to him about that contract or do you let it go for another year or what do you do? I think the Eagles will try to sign him this offseason because I think they, they feel like they can get um, a, a better deal, you know, if they wait. Because suppose he comes back and hasn't even been, you know, is this good again? Then is, the dollar number is just going to go up. Mm-hmm. But what do you um, think Jalen is looking at? What kind of numbers do we think he's looking at? I don't oh, know. I think he's looking at market value and then some. Yeah. What's that? What is that now? Uh, what, 40 30, million? 40, 35, 35 to 40 million. So, I mean, like a $240 million contract, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. like six years, 250. Okay. If he's wow. the MVP, if his team is the NFC Championship game? Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm... I'm yeah, and as I said, the only thing—it's almost strange that the only thing I think this team can't do—if they lost the—if they lost to the Niners in the NFC title game, I think people would understand. San Francisco is really good. I—the one thing that will ruin it all is if they lost to the Dallas in the divisional round. Not that I am—not that I think it's a guarantee that Dallas is going to get there because Dallas we still have has no to, idea. We right. have no idea how this is going to shake out. We right? Have no idea. Yeah. Um, you know. Let me switch. Um, what if they lose to the Vikings in the NFC title game? That would be disappointing because I think yeah. people are yes. just people are just ex- assuming the Vikings are going to fall apart. I don't think losing to San Francisco is going to. It, it might not be as disappointing. I still don't think people. I think people right now they could lose in the Super Bowl unless maybe it's to Andy. But they, I mean, they can lose in the Super Bowl and people will accept that. I don't think if you're the number one seed, which I think they're going to be, unless Jalen's hurt and doesn't play, 
Uh, I don't think people are going to accept that because I remember what it was like around here in 2002 and 2003, and it wasn't good. Let me uh, flip this to the Sixers. Uh, Silski, is this the last ride for this group as constructed? I I don't know. I mean, what group are you talking about? Are okay. you talking about Embiid? They're not trading Embiid. They're no. not trading Tyrese Maxey. No, but um, you have Harden now who's dropping his hints to Woj. Okay. If you if you look like if you can only get to the second round again, mm-hmm. I do believe there is a point where Jane, where Joel Embiid's gonna go. Get me out of here. I just do because I think he sees that his career window is pretty short. Um, you know, and I think he realizes that there's a wall that's been hit here. So I don't I don't know. If you don't, don't get to, if you don't get to an East final, at least I think there's got to be massive changes. Look, a couple of things at, at work. I think Embiid is a great, great player. I think there's an intangible something that he is missing that LeBron has, that Steph Curry has, yeah. that Giannis, <clears throat> pardon me, Giannis has, that the truly the elite of the elite have, and. I don't know that he has it. He hasn't shown me yet that he does. Um, what, is, what is it you think? I think there's a little bit of um, maturity. He, it's not so much maturity as it is. There's a bit of, you know, Hey, I discovered basketball at age 17. Mm-hmm. And this thing that I didn't know existed until I was almost an adult is now paying me millions upon millions of dollars and made me a worldwide celebrity and gets me, um, you know, I have loyalty to Philadelphia and Philadelphia loves me back and I will stay here and play forever. And this is a very happy life. I'm not suggesting Joel Embiid doesn't want to win. I'm suggesting that there's a next level that he hasn't gotten to yet. The analogy I use on this, Kevin, I've written this. There's that scene in the movie, The Untouchables, okay? Okay where Kevin Costner is Elliot Ness and Sean Connery are in the church mm-hmm. and Connery's the veteran Irish beat cop yep. who, who Costner is bringing on to teach him. How do I catch Al Capone? And Connery keeps saying to him, what are you prepared to do? And Ness said, and, and Costner says, I will do everything within the bounds of the law to catch Al Capone. And then Connery says to him, and then what are you prepared to do? Yeah, it's, 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 Steph and LeBron and Kobe and Duncan, they were prepared to go to that next level. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that yet from Joel. Mm-hmm. I want to see it from him. I think it's possible he can show it, but he hasn't shown it yet. And I think that's as big an issue as the pieces around him. Do you think in some ways? Do you think then it is a? There are some guys who burn for titles. Who the title is the only thing they don't care about. The, you know, it's nice if you get the MVPs and the scoring records, uh, you know, and you lead the league in scoring and all that. Is that what's missing? Maybe just that extra fire, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I, I maybe I think maybe there have been there's been an absence of someone else in the locker room other than Jimmy Butler with enough juice and enough standing to yeah. push. You know, I mean, they made a choice between Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons, and they chose Ben Simmons. And in the moment, you can't really blame them because Ben was younger and they had used the first overall pick on him. But the fact is that Jimmy Butler's a better player than Ben Simmons and complimented Joel Embiid better than Ben Simmons did. Um, Emotionally, on the court, all those sorts of things. And so, um, you know, is something missing? I think, look, I think the fact that they can't get past the second round says something about the kinds of players they have had here. I, I don't think leadership first and foremost comes from a coach in a, in a pro sports team. I think it comes first and foremost from the captain, the person in the locker room who is the leader. It didn't come from Greg Popovich. It came from Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan let Greg Popovich coach the way that he did. It came from Kobe. Kobe. It came from Bird and Magic and Michael and Duncan and all of those guys. Even, and even I'm not with sure the, that Right. Even with the Warriors, it's Steph, but it's also Draymond and it's Clay and it's the yeah, way they've all approached it. 
Right. And, but it's Steph setting a tone of this is how we play. Right. I take less money so that we can have this team around me and we share the ball. And when I need to go off, I can go off. But this is how we do things around here. It's Brady in the NFL. It's Peyton in the NFL. It's Jalen right now for the Eagles, you know, supplementing what Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox bring in terms of leadership. And this is how we, the, the way we do things. Um, and I'm not sure the Sixers have that. Well, do, do either of you, now, and I would suggest to you that they may not get out of the first round because they could be playing the Nets. They could be playing the Cavaliers. They, they, but does anybody think in the second round they would have to either play, barring an upset, the Bucs or the Celtics? Does anybody see them beating the Bucs or the Celtics in a seven-game series? I don't not at now. this point. No. Not now. So then they're not going to get past the second round. And then you're going to end up having a choice. You're going to have a choice on the head coach. Uh, you're going to have a choice on Hard- whether Harden's going to want to stick. Well, I think that choice will be made, Kev. I mean, I think you – I don't think if they lose in the second round, how can you bring Doc back? Well, I, I don't see how you do it. Would I mean, Doc want to come back at this point? I mean, I there are, there are times with Doc. I wonder if he if he would just like to be on a golf course in L.A. and playing, and or he looks around and goes, "Do I really need this shit anymore?" <laughs> you know, like there there is that vibe, and I you know maybe I'm totally wrong. But I mean, having been around him a little bit this year, that that does feel like it's going to be a legitimate question, um, because he gets a lot of crap, and I don't think it's all him. I think I think a lot of it is the personnel, and they keep trying to jam square pegs in the round holes, but they keep running into the same issues. The other thing is too, you know, their player development hasn't always been. Top notch. Maxie's okay. the only one they've really developed, like who you would say was not, you know. I mean, M- Matisse Thibel is not a functional offensive player in any regard. Yeah, he should be getting more how than five can, minutes a night, though, Mike. How can that be? How can that be? Um, you know, there have been other examples of this, of guys who they just they haven't developed. And they were able to do it previously. They did it mm-hmm. with Robert Covington. They did it to a degree with Dario Saric. Um, but they have Embiid's footwork is still not great. Like, how is nobody there? Like, you know, he's still kind of sloppy from time to time when it comes to getting to the basket and and his footwork in the post. Um, it's just, you know, there's something missing there, and I'm not quite sure what it is. Let me ask you one other question on the organization, but not on the court. They and you've been covering this a little bit uh, with the with the talk of the new arena downtown at the at the site of the fashion district you know forever to gallery Mm -hmm. by the way um how much a does the mayor's race depend on whether they get this and by this time next year do you think we'll have an idea on if it's going to end up there or are we in a long-term slog that kind of reminiscent of what it was when they built court state center at the time uh with ed snyder well, I don't, I don't think that, and, you know, I'm no expert in these things, but I can't imagine that, I, I think, I wasn't 100% sure of what you're asking. Are you suggesting that the arena will rise and fall based on who gets elected mayor? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's going to matter. And whether that person makes it a priority or not. As opposed, um, a Helen Gim as opposed to an Allen Dome is a big, big difference. In just the way they approach business, right. Um, A competent mayor, period, would be a big difference. Um, (laughs) Not that I'm showing my political colors in any way. Mr. Kern Kern probably agrees with that sentiment. Hey, he lives in Doylestown. What does he know, man? Okay, Mike. I have eyes to see, Michael. I have eyes to see. Um, I hear you. You know, as far as the arena goes, look, Chinatown's putting its cards on the table. You know, they are giving off the very strong message that they don't want this. Okay. The people who are vocal are saying they don't want it. Now, maybe there are other people who aren't as vocal who do want it. It doesn't seem that way. Um, I I keep coming back to what is the city going to look like over time? And I wonder about that because of the pandemic, because of the way Work-life balance has changed. 
because of the way that the population is moving around the country. Look at the states that gained residents in the last year. It's Florida. It's Texas. West Virginia gained population for the first time in 10 years. Montana, correct? Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. Nine years from now, how big is Philadelphia going to be? I don't know. Well, maybe it'll have more people. Maybe it won't. But I, I, I think anybody who guesses is doing just that. They're guessing. So is there going to be a demand for a downtown arena by the time this thing gets built? I don't know if it gets built. Well, the thing you I know. don't understand, and you guys are more political, or Kevin is, if they build that arena there, Kevin, does that mean Chinatown's going to go away? Is that why the people in Chinatown... Right, the people in Chinatown are worried because building an arena there will, in theory, increase the property values to a point where people could not afford the taxes around there. Okay, and it could Which cause means the restaurants would go away. Or it could cause the restaurants. Away. It could cause the people who live in the apartments in that area okay. to have okay. to sell and be, okay. it become more gentrified. Um, OK, the the balance, though, is it, look, this city. The city still goes on its Quaker roots. It still lives up to the old. You know, it still loves the old city grid, you know, the center city grid, which, you know, it, it makes construction very difficult okay and it's one of the rare major cities where you have in in city you have one lane you have a north south train and you have an east west train and that's it okay yeah so it's an opportunity for the city to re-examine the way it looks at everything i mean think about the areas of the city that are not covered by that train by the either the l or the subway or whatever but the main thing is you have to be able to keep people safe. And Mike, you've talked about this when we've talked about the idea of like Villanova people, you know, Villanova will want to play in the newest arena possible. I get it. But will Villanova people want to come into market East and spend, you know, spend time if they're not feeling comfortable about the city in seven, eight years and so. seven, yeah, eight I years so. are a long time, but you have to make a step forward to to make the demonstration. I I like the idea, I do, but I I, I think it's going to hit some very difficult hurdles to get over. I think Villanova people, and I don't know how this is going to sound, but they love where they go now in South Philly. Now that building, they, 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 they Oh my god, no, that no, building's what a dump. I'm saying, Kevin, from a trend, I'm not saying, but for them to get there and get out, they don't even feel like they went into the city. Okay, you're going, yeah, you're, you're going to either the expressway or 95 or whatever you're doing. You go, you're out, you're back in the suburbs in 15, 20 minutes or whatever it is. I think they like that. Now, I'm not saying where they would or would not like Center City also, but I think the point Mike brought up is really, you know, what is the city going to look like in 10 years? Well, and the other part of this too is, you know, you would say, well, November's the election. In reality, it's May. Because no Republican is going to right. win the race for mayor, you would assume, because no Republican has won the race for mayor since 1955. I mean, it, to me, all right, Mike, if they don't get Chinatown, and you've talked to the people with the Sixers. Yes. They're move, They're going somewhere, aren't they? Uh, they they said they are on the record saying we will not move the team to Jersey. Uh, they told me that flat out. Uh, David Edelman said that to me flat out. Um, doesn't mean he's not going to change his mind. Doesn't mean he's not going to say, yeah, well, circumstances changed, and therefore we've got to do what we've got to do. But they're not going to play um, at Wells Fargo Center either. No, that, that's the one thing they, they said. We will not be playing in the Wells Fargo Center in 2030, beyond 2031, when the lease runs, runs out. Which means they have to go so, somewhere. Look, uh, you know, color me crazy. I like the South Philadelphia complex. As somebody who has lived in the city for college, um, who's had family in the city my entire life, who has lived in the suburbs or, you know, I mean, I grew up two miles outside the city. Okay. I know that's technically not Philly. I get it. But it's. No, I I hear you. You're Philly. (laughs) And that complex is. Easy enough for everybody in the Delaware Valley to get to, okay? 
I was on a, a show with, I was talking in a, in a format like this with Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis. Yep. Derek Gunn lives in Delaware. Rob Ellis lives in Delaware County. And I live in Bucks County, Central Bucks County. All of us can get to that South Philly locale relatively easy. You know, it's a longer drive for me than it is for those guys, but we can get there by cars. And Philadelphia, the, the Delaware Valley is a car culture. It is not a train and bus and subway culture the way the greater me- metropolitan area of New York is. They have five times more subway cars and, and train transportation than we do. And people are accustomed to taking it. Even if you live in northwestern Jersey, even if you live in Connecticut, even if you live in White Plains, right. you take public transportation, generally speaking. And Philadelphians don't do that. And I will tell you the opposite viewpoint. As somebody who has lived here my whole life, okay? And, yes, I'm northeast Philly, so I guess I'm not technically you know, died in the wool, you know, live in a... You're as much city as I am, Yeah, Kev. exactly. The city always takes the easy route, okay? And the easy route is always South Philly, okay? Big parking lots, not a lot to do. Everybody gets in their car. Everybody hops over. They've tried to develop with Xfinity Live. I don't know how much that works. Um, but even... It, it, it's awful short-sighted sometimes, and I'll use the Lincoln Financial Field example, and I've brought this up in the past. They could, and you've talked you've talked to the Eagles people about Super Bowls, okay? Mm-hmm. If you put a dome on the link, not now, but if they did when they built it, Philadelphia probably gets a Super Bowl at some point. I mean, yeah. the hotels, the infrastructure that it has is pretty good. They could have it. They never. They could have Final Fours. They could have. And Mike Kern, you know this because of the NCAA. You know how much they love coming here. They didn't do it. Okay. So to me, I just want to see the city take a chance for once. I want to see it kind of change the landscape and change getting out of that tunnel vision that I think the city always is in, and I think is a major problem with what has happened around here kevin how much more would a dome have cost it would have cost probably about a billion total at that okay, time well, back in 22 and who would have paid would the taxpayers have paid for most of that the taxpayers would have had to have paid but i would make an argument that they would have got a lot more of it back because of but the taxpayers don't what i'm saying kevin i know what you're saying i'm looking the at it for the business the average taxpayer doesn't care if a Super Bowl comes to Philadelphia. He doesn't once to, one time, like yeah, once in thirty years. He doesn't care if a Final Four comes here once every ten years or five, whatever five, it would be, six or eight. Yeah, let's go yeah, with that. Well, we're hoping six or eight. I mean, we're assuming that's uh, that might be a big assumption. All I'm saying is it's easy to say that. I get where you're coming from. For the I, business I standpoint, you know, downtown, it would have been a lot better. That's what I'm we're saying. We're not going to get the Army-Navy game the next four years. Well, whose fault is that? I don't know why. Okay, but that's going to cost the city a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it is. But the average person in the city probably doesn't care that the Army-Navy game isn't coming here. I'm just saying the hotel people probably do, the restaurant owners probably do, but the person that's probably footing the bill – when his taxes go up, that that's always the problem you have. It's that's why a lot of cities don't put the. It's, it's easy to say put a dome on it. You know, you're in a cold weather city, put a dome up. Why doesn't New York have domes? Why doesn't some of the teams in the Midwest have domes? I don't know. I just if it's such a no brainer. Well, and you're now seeing it. You're seeing Nashville was if you watched the Amazon broadcast last night on Nashville's putting a dome up. Uh, Chicago's talking about putting a dome on to get a Super okay. Bowl. They should have yeah. put a dome up when I was there two weeks ago. I could have used that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little cold, Mike. I, oh, my God. I, Jeff McClain and I stood outside waiting for an Uber for about eight minutes. I thought we were going to die. <laughs> it's Chicago in December. Um, it's a different kind of cold. Different I, kind. Uh, I, legally, legally, I have to bring the flyers up. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, you, well, no, you know what? You they're, mentioned they're, them early, but go ahead. Yeah, good. No, this is good. They're bad, and they need to be bad, and it's fine that they're bad. And continue to be bad so that you can get a high draft pick. You know what? Be bad again next year. And the thing, that's what they have to do. And but the, it never turns into anything, Mike. They, it never Mike, does. They, they, they haven't gotten. They haven't put themselves in the kind of position 
often enough to draft the kind of talent you need right. to have to succeed. Right. Okay. They have an opportunity to do it now. They stink. Okay. They got a goalie and nothing else. So stink. Well, just stink. They have Konechny. Konechny's a nice player. On a good team, he's a second line guy. And that you know what? But that, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. They they need something, and I'll give the head coach credit. They at least do kind of play hard every night. That's fine. Which is, which that's is fine. Kanye, but that's what Mike doesn't want because the coach Kevin, won't let them stink as bad as they have to stink. Kevin, I've used this example before. I will use it again. Colorado Avalanche rolled to the Stanley Cup last season. Yep. Okay, and had been good for a few years leading up to that. All right. I think six of their eight top scorers were first-round draft picks, yep. and I think all of them were taken in the top 15. And they had at least one number one overall pick there and a number two overall pick there, Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog, okay? Do you know how they collected all those players? By being bad. Because they went, because they went through an 11-year stretch where they only made the playoffs three times. Three times in 11 years. And that franchise was a proud Stanley Cup winning franchise. That was a mini dynasty. Mm-hmm. And it had Forsberg and Sackick yeah. and Patrick Waugh and those great teams of the late traded, 90s. Traded for 2000s. Bork. Right. Traded for Ray Bork. And they were horse bleep for the better part of a decade plus. And they won the Cup last year because in the NHL, the way to get young, cost effective talent is to draft it. And the way the rules have changed now. To increase offense, you need high-end talent. And the Flyers don't have any of it. And the only way they're going to get it is if they draft. Does Chuck Fletcher get steps, fired? Steps steps down off so, so far. Does Chuck Fletcher get fired soon? Probably, but who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, what they need, any general manager probably could do. They need to be bad, and they need to draft a great player or two or three. And get a- the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Pittsburgh Penguins have lived for twenty years off of three drafts. Yep, three straight years they took Mark Andre Fleury, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin, and that sustained them for three Stanley Cups and fifteen straight years of making the playoffs. And in one those three the- drafts, and Chris Letang was in there as well. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. That's what you need. What do you? Flyers have no, the Flyers have nobody that scares you. No, nobody. No. When they line up, if I'm the other team and I'm watching them, okay, who am I afraid of? Like to, that's going to score two goals tonight. There is right. no one. We're gonna wrap it. We're gonna wrap it up in a second here, Mike. Uh, it's a two part question. I've been I asked this on radio on Wednesday. Who's the sports person of the year in Philadelphia? I think it's a tie. Between Bryce Harper and Jalen Hurts. Okay. Flip a coin between those two guys. I would say Harper gets the edge because he did it. He did so much in the postseason. Um, but yeah, those would be my two. And I, by the way, allowed like executives and coaches and everything in there as well. Uh, okay. So, um, all right. Well, maybe then you got to think about Rob Thompson. I was just going to say because uh, I picked Rob Thompson. Yeah. My uh, Colonel? Well, I mean, Harper did it for a month. And I'm not downplaying anything else he might have done in September. It was his spring training, so and he was hurt a lot of the year and all that kind of thing. He was having a good, real good first two months of the season. It's almost hard not to say Jalen. And I know we, you know, they haven't done it, but thirteen and one is thirteen and one. I mean, that doesn't happen. But if you really want to get goofy, I, I'm not gonna, how about Howie Roseman? I mean. Think of all the moves yeah. he's made to get this team in this position. It's nuts. Yeah. Even, I mean, even going to know, the AJ Brown, a, right? Even I to, think the AJ Brown move was the move. That to me was the move where you said, "Here, we're going to give you and and you know, Tennessee drafted the guy from Arkansas who might turn out to be a great player." But AJ Brown came in and immediately made. The other wide receiver better, major tight end better, major running back better, and then he goes out and gets a son, and 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 then when they needed guys in the middle, he goes gets Dominic Sue, and and I mean, and I know how he, you know, he's had a great last eighteen months. I don't know what it's going to lead to. I have no idea, 
And if the quarterback's making $240 million in another year, you know, it's going to make his job tougher. But, I mean, think about what a good year, though, we've had. We didn't even mention Joel Embiid, who finished second in the MVP vote. Yeah. Oh, we did. We, we badmouthed him for five minutes, Yeah, we, Mike. I ripped him up and down. <laughs> no, that and was when you Mike, faded I, off. So, Mike, I agree with everything you said about Joel. When Dick Girardi and I do that thing on Saturday mornings, we say the same thing you say every single time. There's something missing. And I, he's a great player. There's no denying he's a great player. But I got a feeling that when his career is over, I hope I'm wrong, that we're just going to sit there and say, you know, something was missing. Um, I mean, we never said that about Doc, even before he won the championship when they brought Moses in. We mm-hmm. never said, hey, there's something missing with Doc. Obviously, you bring number two in, that's, that, yeah. you know, yeah. that made them great. But Doc, That's I mean, Moses for everybody else who's and, not yeah. 50 years old. And I just old. think there's something, maybe it was the way Joel was you bring number you bring number two in in a lot of organizations for this, a lot of teams for this town. That that's means something completely different, Mike. I yeah, gotta bring that I'm up. sorry, I'm I'm old. Um, I mean, Joel, look, he 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 learned to play the game a whole different way than most people do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he's the only foreign guy that's ever come over and being, right. but he, you know, he, he took up the game late. He's, you know, he's, and it does seem sometimes like he's more into the numbers part, or you know, will I win the MVP? I'm not saying that's how he – I'm sure he wants to win. Right. Everybody wants to win. I think in those last two games against Miami this year, last year. Where he disappeared. How games happen? Yeah. Yeah, this year. But, but that, to me, is is just insane that let, those two games happened. Let me, uh, let me wrap it up asking the one prediction for 2023, Mike, that what's the biggest story that we're talking about this time next year? Good question. Um the biggest story we're talking about this time next year is um, the Eagles have signed Jalen Hurts to a long-term contract. He's not playing as well for them in 2023 as he was this year. Did they make a mistake? Kern? Wow. That's a tough question, Kevin. I mean, I think we could be talking about the, the fact that the Phillies maybe don't win a playoff series next year or maybe win one and go home because it's going to be very tough for them to exceed the expectations again. It, it just is. It's just, and, and I'm not saying they can't. Hell, they could win the whole thing next year. Who knows? But it's just that this year they're going to have expectations, or next year they're going to have expectations from the get-go. Harper's not going to play till June probably. Um I just have a feeling that we're not going to get an October run like we got this year. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I I just, you know, and if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, we might not care as much, but I'm not convinced they're going to win the Super Bowl either. I I, I hope, like you said, they don't lose to Dallas and, and whatever. But I'm, I, think the Eagles, I think the Eagles are going to get to the Super Bowl, barring, you know, Jalen not being able to play or something like that. I'm just not sure they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to say the big, and this is kind of a fearless prediction, and it probably will be completely wrong. Um, the two winter sports teams. Uh, one, you know, we, we talked about earlier with the arena. I think that will be the biggest story in Philadelphia sports at this time next year uh, because I think it will be some serious doubt where the Sixers go for their next step because I don't see it getting done at, 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 in Chinatown or at, at – Market East, okay. Um, mm-hmm. The other one is the hockey team will be up for sale. Huh? The hockey team and the and the regional sports network will be up for sale. Interesting, because the bubble, you know, like you follow business enough with this, the bubble for regional sports networks is bursting, yeah. and that's going to be a major, major problem for a couple franchises in this town, namely the baseball team too. Wait, there's there's going to be bursting? Ugh. Bubbles bursting. Bubbles bursting. Terrible. It does. What but, do you mean with the baseball team, Kev? Well, they're, they're a quarter owner of the of NBC Sports Philly. And okay. if the value of the contract goes down, the amount of money they get goes down. The amount of people okay. that have access to the channel goes down. It's a problem. And we're looking at this with the cord cutting that's becoming more and more likely that that's going to happen. So, 
Um, and, and streaming doesn't help them. That's not it. That's not a. It's not. It's not quite there yet. So they got to gotcha. bridge that gap. So uh, Mike Silski, who will be on ninety four WIP on Saturday morning with Glenn Mack now, uh, is in the Inquirer four days a week. Correct? Is that you know uh, two or three? Two or three? Yeah, don't don't put them on four, man. Come on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, that was forty years ago. They used to write four times. Yeah, is is I gotta say, uh, I I really have. I, I've had a lot of friends in this business, and Mister Silski is the best uh, at what he does, and he's as good a friend as anybody in this business. So I want to say thanks to Mike for joining us, uh, and Kern, you're not bad yourself. Uh, <laughs> I, I try. It's all I can do, man. So have a happy hey, new. Mike. Mike, yo, my son just—I I don't know the name because I can't call it up, but I'm going to text you. My son ate at a, a place in Doylestown. And he said he got—it was the best fried chicken like he's ever had. Mom's Maxwell's yes. on Maine. Is that—is it really that good? It's that good. I've had it. It's—it's it's absolutely tremendous. Um, I just was speaking to uh, my friend and Kevin's friend and our former colleague Ed Kratz. Yes, who now okay. covers the um, the Eagles for SportsIllustrated.com. He's going to mom's tomorrow night, New Year's Eve, for their dinner. And I said, I said today in the Eagles locker room too, get the fried chicken. It is great, and they have awesome fried pickles too. Um, highly recommend mom's. Hey Kevin, it sounds like a road trip for us. We could meet Mister Mike there. Oh, no, let's do it, fellas. I've, let's I've, do it. We'll broadcast a podcast from. I, I, from there. I've been there, Mike. Remember, I used to work in that neighborhood. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah I forgot. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good okay. stuff. Good stuff. All right. Thank you, Mike. Have a happy happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody out there. And my thanks to all of you for joining us. Be safe this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This has been Mark and the Beat.